0: My dear, dear friend is going to come and bring the word to you today. I'm not going to go down the list of all of her accomplishments. Uh, We posted some of them on our Instagram pages. We were just letting you know that she was coming. Uh, It would take a long, long time to explain to you the gift that it is to have Amy Selby in the room with us today. Um, But I will just tell you that when I talk about teaching at Life Pacific University, Um, I I don't do that just in a vacuum. There are a slew of incredible uh, scholars that I get to rub shoulders with, and I don't know that there is a person that is more of an honor for me to get to rub shoulders with than a person who has come to be considered one of my closest friends in the world. Uh, I would call her a sister to me, and uh, I am so honored and excited to get to introduce to you someone who has made my life better and is pouring into young people. And so you're about to hear from somebody that is uh, such a gift to the kingdom and to the Foursquare family. So we've had a tradition uh, over the last several weeks to hear from key Foursquare voices. So just so you know, we are keeping that tradition alive. Um, Amy Selby is a Foursquare pastor. She is a a professor at our flagship Foursquare College, Life Pacific University. She's also the director of the Global Life Department, which is where uh, we send missionaries around the world from LPU. And herself, she has also been a missionary as well as a pastor here stateside as well. So that's a little bit of who you're about to hear from today. Like I said, the list is much longer. Will you join me in welcoming Pastor Amy Selby as she comes to bring the word for us today?
1: Good morning. Thanks, brother. Uh, Tim is a brother to me. He's as kindred to me as my own brother, and he's the same age as my little brother. I'm the oldest of three. I've got a, a, a brother that's seven years younger, and Tim likes to remind me frequently that he's my little brother. Uh, and the age difference between us. So I feel like you guys are the family, like the extended family that I just haven't met yet, because you're my brother's family. So it's good to be here today. I'm super excited uh, about what the Lord wants to speak um, to us today. Let me get myself set up here. Oh, you know, entering passwords and all the things we didn't used to do. (laughs) Um, So let me, before I get going, I've got a little bit of a quirk. Well, leaving the mask on my ear is one. Um, Will it freak any of you out too badly if I preach barefoot? Here's why. (laughs) I I spent seven years as a missionary in North Africa, which is a Muslim context. My job there was to plant underground churches um, and then to raise up indigenous pastors to lead those churches. And when you're working in a um, Muslim background context, anything that you do where you expect to encounter the spirit of the living God, you take your shoes off. Uh, And so for seven years... Like anytime we were doing church or Bible study or a prayer meeting, we were barefoot because it is sacred ground because God is there. And so now I'm back in the States. I know that like context matters, but still I have a really hard time coming to the word of God with my shoes on because it just feels we're on sacred ground and he is here. So can I have your permission to, okay, Thank thank you. Yes, please. All right, let me lose these. Good, all right. So I am, as, as Tim said, I'm a professor and a PhD student, which what that really means is I'm a giant nerd. Um, thank you for that affirmation <laughs> And one thing that nerds are really good at is research, right? So when Tim asked me to come speak here, he said, our, we have kind of a, a theme for the year, a, verse, a, a what did we call a vision statement. Just Speak Life, and you're going to be the fourth speaker. And so of course, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to double up on anything that anyone else had said. So yesterday morning, I watched all three of the last three weeks of your church services. And you guys, wow. <laughs> right? I forgot that I was doing research, and just the Lord was blessing me. And man, your Vision Sunday, brother, that was a sermon. Uh, talking about speaking life and the self-perpetuating cycles of life and death in our own lives that we contribute to by our words. Now the Holy Spirit wants to infuse the words that we speak with life to perpetuate life in us. Come on. And then Billy was the next Sunday, right, and he talked about when God takes too long. And that part in there where he said that God will often ask his closest friends to do the hardest things because he wants to demonstrate something about himself to a watching world. But that in that, when we when he asks us to do things that are hard and causes grief, he grieves with us. If that's not a word for 2022, please. <laughs> right? And then last week with Grace, as she talked about standing firm and fighting like a believer rather than floating down in the river of, of the waters of culture, One of the things that I loved was hearing a man talk about the sensitive, nurturing, caring heart of God, and a woman talking about standing and fighting like a believer. And there's something really beautiful in that. When it flips the narrative of culture, right, where men are supposed to be warriors and strong and not sensitive, and women are supposed to be nurturing and caring, We are both created in the image of God, right? And there is something, when men talk about tenderness, they bring out a different aspect than women do, and we need to hear it. When women talk about standing and fighting and being a warrior, we bring out a different aspect of it, and we need to hear it. This is why the body needs each other. So I got to watch it all and just be like, cool. (laughs) So I'm excited today to... um, to, get to, to just be used by the Holy Spirit as an, another voice as we talk about speaking life and to see what he's going to say today. So, man, before I get going, let's pray. Father, thank you that you are here. Thank you that your word says that wherever two or three are gathered in your name, you are there in their midst. We thank you that you are here. This is sacred ground. It is holy ground. You are here moving and transforming and speaking and changing things. Lord, we thank you that where you are, where the spirit of the living God is, there is freedom and healing and hope and joy and all of the fruit of your spirit. Lord, we thank you that you are here to intersect our lives and that no matter what question we have, your answer is always, I am. Because within you, there is everything that we could ever need and everything that we could ever need to know. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak. Speak through me, anoint my words. May they be yours and not mine. Holy Spirit, would you open our minds and our hearts to you? Would you teach us what you want us to think and feel and do today? And would we leave this place changed and just a little closer to your image? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So... When, when Tim and I sat down a couple weeks ago to talk about Speak Life and what, what had already been covered and what hadn't been covered, and the first thing that popped into my mind, when you talk about Speak Life, like the granddaddy of all Speak Life moments, both in terms of like chronologically and just in like there's never, it's a mic drop, there's never going to be anything to match this, comes literally at the very beginning of the Bible. Right, like Genesis 1. Does God speak some life there? (laughs) Let's turn there. We're going to start there. (laughs) We'll start where all good stories start, right? Right in the beginning. So Genesis 1. Y'all, we're going to go through some scripture today. (laughs) So we're going to cover a lot of passages and a lot of ground. So thank you for putting it all on the slides. But Okay, Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of the God was hovering over the waters. Let's pause right there and let me just speak some life into somebody here. Somebody in this room, and probably many of us, we're standing at the edge of something in our life. And we're like, man, I'm looking into something that is dark and formless and void how many of you know if 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 we if that's all we got me and dark formless and void that's not a great equation but if the next word is God those are the only ingredients that God needs to 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 create anything literally anything that's all he needs is dark formless and void So whatever it is that you're standing on the edge of or maybe you're standing in the middle of it and you're like, man, I've got some stuff, Amy, that is dark and it is formless and it is void and I don't know what to do with it and I don't know how to get through it and I don't know, invite Jesus into that. Please hear this. The spirit of the living God is hovering over that and he is there to speak life. And if you put that into his hands, that's the only ingredients he needs for a miracle. So, The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and he called the dark night. There was evening, and there was morning, the first day. So, God's hovering over the, the dark, formless void. He speaks, and whatever he speaks, there is. Now, in fancy theological Latin terms, this is called ex nihilo. God creates ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. Now, he is the only entity in this universe who can create out of nothing. We cannot do that. Satan cannot do that either. Like, we, we, and Satan cannot create at all. He can only twist and, and malform what God has already created. We have limited capacity to create. We can create. God has given us, because we're made in his image, he has given us the ability to create things with the form and the substance that he has provided for us. But we cannot create out of nothing. right? So he can, though. He can create out of nothing. So he does that. And then he calls the light day and he calls the dark night. He names it. If you look at that word, to call, in the Hebrew, it means to declare or to proclaim, to appoint, or to name. It's exactly what you guys did. I'm so glad that you did that, Tim. When you, had, when you had us, when you led us to declare that God is good, we were participating in the exact same act that he was doing when he called day, day, and he called night, night. He was declaring something to be true about something he had made. When we praise, what we are doing is we are echoing him because we're made in his image we are echoing the creative, authoritative capacity that we have to call things as they are. So when we say, you are good, that is a God-given capacity to even do that. Which is an incredible thing. (laughs) Um, Okay. little parenthetical story here. Uh, just because it's interesting to me and I'm a nerd. We've already established that. When I was a, a Bible college student at Life 20 something years ago, I was a nanny for a family, the husband of whom worked at jet, the Jet Propulsion Lab for NASA, he was like literally a rocket scientist. He worked on the Mars rovers and the Cassini project and all kinds of stuff and, uh, and was a devout atheist somehow. <laughs> um, but he told me that in, and I have no way to corroborate this but the man's a rocket scientist so I trust him. He said that as they have kind of, or astronomers have probed out to try to see what's on the the outside edges of our universe. You know, the universe is constantly expanding, and when they look out into it as far as they can, and they send out, however they do that, I don't know how they do that, I'm not that big a nerd, <laughs> but they. he said that beyond, on the outside edges of the universe, you have matter, like particles of matter, and then after that, further than that, you have, it gets down to where there's just particles of light, just light waves. But on the furthest end, on the outside edges, there's sound waves. And he said, he said that's a great mystery in astronomy. Nobody can tell you why that is, because light moves faster than sound, like everyone knows that. It should be that light is the furthest out, and that sound, but it's sound. You guys, you want to know my own personal theory? I think that's the echoes of the voice of God saying, let there be light. He called it into being, and it has not stopped. That's the echoes of God's voice out there. And then he said, let there be light. And so then there is light. (laughs) And there's still evidence of that that boggles scientists, which I love. That was just free. Um, Okay. So God creates, and then he calls things out. He begins to speak and call things out. So how does that relate to us? So God does that. Why are we supposed to speak life? Like, why are you guys spending however many weeks of this year that you're going to be spending about speaking life? How does this relate to us? Is this, is it, do we do it because it's part of God's image in us? And that's what I want to kind of lead us to today is that, this ability to speak life is a reflection of the Imago day in you and I, the image of God in you and I. So where do I get that? Let's keep going in Genesis. We're going to read a couple verses in chapter 1, and then we're going to skip down to some verses in chapter 2. So we're skipping a bunch of the creation, right? He creates light, and then uh, water and land, and then vegetation and birds and mammals, and, and then... He comes to, like, the pinnacle of his creation, right, where he's, he starts creating humans. So in chapter 1, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, and over the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Just another little tangential side note, notice the one thing that he never intended humans to rule over was each other. Right. All of that, all the structure of hierarchy and governance and ruler and dominion and whatever that we do, that's that's part of the fall. That's not part of his created intention. We were supposed to live in unbroken harmony and relationship with one another. We were supposed to have dominion over the, the rest of the created order. So what does that look like when we reclaim his intention for us that's something the church needs to figure out real quick <laughs> right? how are we supposed to live together um, so chapter or verse 27 so God created mankind in his own image in the image of God he created them male and female he created them God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the, in the sky and over the every living creature that moves on the ground. So God created them and then he blessed them. This is a really important word. And again, you used this word, Tim, this morning when you had us like declare blessing over each other. We're going to come to that word a lot today. This act of blessing, it's we use that word pretty flippantly. Someone sneezes and we say, Bless you, you know, or like we're like, God bless me so much, I got an extra whatever, five dollars on my whatever. You know, like we use it really flippantly. It's not a flippant word biblically. It's a word that encompasses restoration and redemption. It's almost always used in a relational sense biblically, not in a material sense. He's not talking about the blessings in our pocket. He's talking about wholeness and restoration and rightness in relationship with him and with each other. So God blessed them and then said, be fruitful and increase in number. What's he saying there? He's saying, you guys, I've not, you're created in my image. You cannot create ex nihilo out of nothing, but I have put creative capacity in you and given you the means to create. So go do it. Now, the, the, the first application of that, of course, is procreation, you know, make, make babies. But there's, it's beyond that. Those of us that are single, this is not just a married people thing. God has, has put in each and every one of you the creative capacity to create the things that he has made you to create. Some of that is Intellectual. Some of it is creative through the arts, some of it is the work of your hands, some of it is your leadership style, some of it's the way that you nurture. He has given you the capacity to create things that only you can create and what he would say to you is be fruitful and multiply in that. Go do it, that's what he created you for. (laughs) And he blesses you to do that. So be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now we're going to jump to chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden, Eden, to work it and to take care of it. You guys know that work is not part of the curse? (laughs) Now, I don't know how you all feel about your job. Some of of you are like, yes, it is. (laughs) It's not. Work, the capacity to work is part of the imago Dei, the image of God in you and I. Work is sacred. It is holy. It is part of his image in us. We were created to be able to work. Now, not just work full stop, but work with him. These words here, work it and take care of it, they are rich words in Hebrew. It means to to protect, to govern, to cause to flourish, to nourish, to shape, to guard, um, to to engage things in a way, to engage creation in a way that causes it to be blessed and whole and to flourish. That's what God put Adam and Eve in the garden to do. Now, he could have done all of that by himself. He created it, ex nihilo, out of nothing. He created it perfect. He could have sustained it on his own, but part of his intention— in making us was to co- be his co-workers to be a missional partner with him in the work of sustaining and blessing and nurturing the things that he has made which is incredible that's incredibly dignifying he didn't create us to be robots or slaves or pets or just to look cute he created us to work with him like i hope we never lose the um, the the incredibleness of that, that the creator God of the universe created me and you to work with him and called us to work with him. Now, the Lord God formed out of the ground. We're in verse 19. The Lord God formed out of the ground all of the wild animals and all of the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what the man would name them, and whatever whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to the livestock and the birds of the sea nope birds of the sky that would be weird <laughs> and all the wild animals that word called is the same word used for the act that God did when he called day day and night night he gave Adam the same capacity that he used I will bring things to it and what you call it they there there it that it is <laughs> it's This goes back to what you were talking about, Tim, three weeks ago with speaking life and what we say self-perpetuates in our lives, and it becomes that thing. If a day comes our way and we say, this day stinks, we have just declared it to be so. Now, I didn't create that day ex nihilo. I'm given material to work with, but God has given me the authority to declare what it's going to be, and you know, I tend to live into whatever I declare it will be. Because we shape our own perception of reality. We shape our own experience of what God is giving us. 2020, 2021, 2022, are these the worst years we've ever lived through? Or or are these a unique opportunity to see God move in ways we've never seen before? What are we going to declare them to be? Now again, we're not creating it. This is not name it and claim it. Our words do not create things out of nothing. But our, our words create a framework for which we see it and we live out into it. And God has given us the authority to do that. So this is why it's so important to speak life and not to speak death, because we will reap what we say. Okay, y'all with me still? All right. So here's some points that we can draw out of those first couple chapters of Genesis. God has given you the capacity to create to be fruitful in the things that he has given you creative capacity in. He has given you the authority to speak and to declare and to, to and to name things in a way that defines the way that they will impact your life. Another thing that we can pull out of Genesis 1 and 2 is that we were created to be co-missional with God. <laughs> that, just, that just blows my mind every time I say it. It's It's Billy's example. Remember when Billy talked about how he was taking out the trash and his son said, I want to help you, and it took 15 minutes longer than it should have, but his son was helping him and how exciting that was? It's that, except it's flipped upside down. It wasn't Adam that was like, oh, I want to help you name things, and God was like, okay, cute little thing. No, God. this was God's design from the beginning. He created Adam and then said, here's what you have the capacity and what I'm anointing you to do. You are going to help me. It's God's design. It's God's idea that we will help him in things that he could very well do by himself, but he chooses that he never will. He will bless this earth only to the degree that, we, that humans will partner with him in that blessing. God's plan from the beginning was that we would partner with him in stewarding and caring for his perfect creation. Now, we know we messed all that up in Genesis 3. But from that point, from the fall onward, he had now a new plan. His new mission was to redeem his creation. Everything. Everything that was touched by the curse. To restore all that was lost in the fall. And amazingly, his plan is once again... That you and I will be co partners with him in that process. He will not do it without us. He could, but he won't. <laughs> Which is amazing. So, where do we get that? Where do we get that it's his intention to use us to bless the planet? Like, beyond, beyond Adam and Eve. How do we know he meant to use us? Let's look at Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis. But we're still in Genesis. We're still in the first book. <laughs> Abraham, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord says to Abram. Now, this is he's, he's making a covenant with Abraham and his people. He says, Abraham, Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land. I will show you. Okay, let's stop again right there just for a second. Just another little parenthetical detour that's, let me speak some life. Notice here, God didn't tell him where he was going to take him. He said, go to the land that I will show you. <laughs> leave everything you know, all of your material resources, everything that gives you status or security in this life, leave it behind and go where I will show you. That is very countercultural to us, right? We, we would often want to be like, can you give me your 20-year plan and the map, and then I will decide if I'm going to step out into the thing that you're calling me to. Very frequently, in fact, maybe close to always, the Lord will ask you to obey first, and then he will tell you where you're going. You step first, and then he will show you the next step, and the next step, and the next step, because here's the thing. God knows that if he gave us the map that we were looking for, we would put our trust in the map, and we were never called to follow a map. We were called to follow a person, and Jesus is on the move, right? So he still says to you and I, In different ways, and it's going to look different for each of us, but get up and leave the thing that you're currently in and go to where I will show you. And as we obey and we step, he shows us the next step and the next step, and it's an amazing ride. All right, let's keep going. So verse 2, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. There's that word again, that super-encompassing word about restoration and redemption and all that kind of stuff. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. Now so far this is all about Abraham, but then it gets super important. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Not just all the Israelites, all the peoples on earth. The word there is ethne. It means not just ethnic group, it means all the way down to every extended family group on earth. Will be blessed through you and your offspring. Who is Abraham's offspring? Uh-huh, so yes, I was waiting for Jesus, like the Sunday school answer, like Jesus. Jesus, you know, is the, is the, we know that Jesus was literally the great, 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 great something or, you know, grandson of Abraham. But then we also know, you guys, you skipped that, and you came right to the point that I was gonna make. Through Christ, we are all now descendants of Abraham. So this promise that God gave to Abraham, that I'm going to make you a great nation, I'm going to give you descendants that outnumber the stars in the sky and the sands on the earth, and through them, through you and your offspring, every family group on earth will be blessed. Y'all, that's me and you. His intention still is that every family group on earth will find blessing, will be blessed, will find redemption and restoration through what he does, through you and I. A huge part of how he does that, of how we partner with him to bring blessing to the world around us, the family groups around us, is through speaking life. Like, that's what it is, right? He's not like, I'm gonna bless the nations through you, so go do cartwheels. <laughs> you know, like, it's, so much of it is, is it's spoken. It's what we say, uh, it's speaking life. So, yeah. I have no idea how much time I'm supposed to have left. Keep going, G- keep going. <laughs> give, me, give me a ballpark, just so that I can. Monday, Monday. <laughs> all right, love it, we'll just keep going. <laughs> Feel free to give me like a, when we're getting close. Um, time management is not ever my game. <laughs> In class, I've got students that are like, um, mm, okay. All right, so let's look at, I want us to look at some of the reasons why God will ask us to speak. You and I, if we are co-missional partners with Him, created with the capacity to declare and speak life, what are some reasons why He will ask you and I to do that? And we're going to look at, we're going to pull that from the Bible, of course. So we're going to start with Moses. We're going to read some verses out of chapter 3 and chapter 4 of Exodus. So Exodus 3, starting in verse 7, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of, the peop- of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, and Perizzites. that one sounds like a pretzel to me, the Hivites and the Jebusites, now I'm hungry. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt." And then we know <laughs> that, that uh, Moses starts arguing. And he's like, but how will I know what to say? And so God gets really specific. If you read through, keep reading through that chapter, he's super specific. He says, to the Israelites, say this. And to the elders, say this. And then to Pharaoh, say this. And he keeps reminding him, I will tell you what to say. And Moses, you would think that would be enough for Moses, right? Like, he's given him very specific instructions. We get down to the next chapter, verse, uh, chapter 4, starting at verse 10. And Moses, our, our man, is still arguing. He's argued for an entire chapter. <laughs> Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. Like, not even since this conversation is started. (laughs) I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Now, that should be enough, right? That should be, he's like, okay, you're going to tell me what to say, and you're going to go with me, and yes, you made my mouth, you know my capacity, that should, no, our boy says, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. I mean, my anger is burning a little bit, I'm like, come on, bro. And he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help you both. I will help both of you speak and I will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take the staff in your hand so that you can perform signs with it. So he accommodates our poor whiny brother Moses. Here's point number one. Sometimes one of the reasons that God will ask us to speak life is because God cares about suffering, oppression, and injustice. And he will call us to speak truth to power on behalf of those whose voices are not heard. His mission, and Jesus restates it in Luke chapter 4, he does a mic drop moment if there ever was one, when he states his mission, reading out of Isaiah, his mission is to free captives, Heal the suffering, redeem those who are enslaved, right? And he is serious about it. Proverbs 31, 8, and 9, he declares, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of those who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. So he will call us to speak because he cares about suffering, oppression, and injustice. And by the way, he is not interested in our excuses. He created us. He knows our capacity. He knows the things that we think of as weaknesses, and he says, I created that in you. I know what you are capable of. If he calls you to it, he will equip you for it. Yes. He will not call you to do something that you and he are not capable of doing together. Because he's not, he's not self-defeating. He's not going to defeat him, his own mission. He will call you to the things that he knows you and he can do. So if he calls you to do it, it doesn't matter how big or scary or crazy it sounds, he will fulfill it through you. Okay, let's look at Ezekiel. Ezekiel 37. Now, I know you guys know this passage a bit, and we're going to look at it again anyway because it's so good. (laughs) So Ezekiel chapter 37, starting in verse 1, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. The bones were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Now, me being a nerd, I probably would have been like, well, scientifically, no. I mean, <laughs> they're dead you <laughs> and dried. He, he's wiser than I am. He said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. That's wisdom right there. When God asks you a question, it doesn't matter what science would say. It doesn't matter what the facts and numbers are. It doesn't matter what we see through our own flesh. He alone knows what, is, what that thing is capable of, right? Yeah. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Get that. Like he just, all he had to do was say what the Lord told him to say. It's just obedience. You didn't have to make any of it up. It's just obedience. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man and say to it. This is the sovereign. This is what the sovereign Lord says come breath from the four winds and enter these slain that they may live so I Prophesied as he commanded me and the breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet a vast army Reason number two that God will ask us to speak life There are things that are dead or at least appear to be by the natural eye that he wants to resurrect our job in that is exactly what Ezekiel's was. First of all, to acknowledge you alone know what can live. <laughs> so if you say you're going to bring it to life, you, you, get to, you get to choose that. You get to decide. And then secondly, to proclaim what the Lord tells us. We're, it's just obedience. When he tells us to speak life over something, it doesn't matter how dead it may look to us. Be obedient. Speak life. Because he's, he's a resurrection God. Right? Right? It's just amazing. He does all the rest. All right, let's look at Deborah. There's one for us, ladies. I mean, all of of us is for all of us, but, you know, it's nice to have a female character in here. So Deborah in Judges 4 and 5, chapter 4, verse 4. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah. She had her own tree, guys. <laughs> she held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel and the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of that guy, uh, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you go take, uh, go. Take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, I will go if you go with me. (laughs) If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. I'm not going without you, lady. So she said, certainly I will go with you. But because... Of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours. The Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went to with Barak to Kadesh. There Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali, and ten thousand men went up under his command. Deborah also went with them. And then, if you follow the story, they do win. Uh, but but the 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 um the foreign king was not killed by a man. He was killed by a woman, by Jael, who drives a tent peg through the guy's head it's kind of a gnarly story (laughs) right and so then in chapter five we have this song that Deborah sings in verses six and seven says in the days of Shamgar son of Anath in the days of Jael who was the woman with the tent peg the highways were abandoned travelers travelers took to winding paths that's because they were living in fear Right? They, they, they were not safe and secure to, to be on their own highways. They were living in fear. They were hiding from the enemy. Villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose, until I arose, a mother in Israel. Another reason that God wants us to speak life is because there are battles that he wants to win. There is territory that he wants to take back from the enemy. And sometimes someone needs to speak courage into people that have forgotten how to fight. This is part of what Grace did last week, right? When she reminded us that our job is not just to float down the current of culture. Our job is to take a stand and armor up and fight like a believer. Part of speaking life is calling out courage to do spiritual warfare in this world. I love that, I mean, Scripture referred to her as a judge and a ruler and a worshiping warrior. She called herself a mother, right? Her, herself, her, the, the closest thing to her heart or the way that she identified herself was, I had to rise up, me, a mother. Guys, do not disqualify yourself based on what your role might be in this moment or this season or what you think you are capable or qualified of doing. It doesn't matter if you're a mother or a father or a child or a teenager or whatever it is. you might be, I don't care. The Lord will put words in you to call people to action, to stir up his army, to remind people to fight the battle that needs to be fought because God wants to take territory from the enemy. Sharon, I like you. (laughs) All right, Isaiah. Isaiah 6. You all still with me? We're okay? Okay. Let's look at Isaiah. It's getting good. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Any time the Bible repeats words, it's important, especially the Old Testament because of Hebrew. I speak Arabic. Arabic and Hebrew are very closely related um, languages. And in in Arabic as well, anytime you want to overemphasize something, make sure that people know that it's very important you double the word. So if I just want you to go quickly, I say, imshi fisa. But if I really need you to go quickly, I say, imshi fisa, fisa. Like it's got to be repeated. It's the same reason why Jesus said, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I tell you. Anytime there's a double it means slow down, pay attention. He really means this. Here, guys, how many are there? There's three. This is not a common pattern to see. When there is three, it means there is nothing else like this. He is holy, holy, holy. Above and beyond anything else. He is holy, holy, holy. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips. I live among people with unclean lips. Interesting, the lips, right? The part that we speak with. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew, whoa, seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Glory, Hallelujah. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send, who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. And so God does send him. Isaiah is huge, (laughs) it's a huge book. It has been called, like some theologians refer to Isaiah as the fifth gospel because it is the Old Testament set of scripture, of of messianic prophecy that talks the most and the clearest about Jesus. Here's the point. Sometimes God asks us to speak life because he wants to be known. He wants to reveal himself to us and through us, and he knows that when we've seen for ourselves his holiness, and when we have been cleansed from our sin and our guilt, we are compelled to tell others about this God. He wants to send us. (laughs) He wants to be known, and so he asks us to speak life. Let's move to the New Testament. We're just going to look at a couple, and then we'll close. In the New Testament, are we still being told to speak life? Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, in Luke chapter 8, Jesus and the disciples, they have sailed to this region of the Gerasenes. Something that's important that you may not know, the Gerasenes was on the other side of, of the lake. This, this territory was Gentile land. These were not Jews, it was Gentiles. He was going to like us, <laughs> you know, like the, the non-Jewish part. And we, we see that very clearly evidenced by the fact that they had pigs. Jews don't keep pigs, right? So he goes over to the other side. He's talking to foreigners now, Gentiles. Which is so they go to the garrisons, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time this man had worn clothes, had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. Legion means a thousand. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus, let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. It's flying bacon we're about to see here. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all of the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave because they were overcome with fear. So he got in the boat and left." But the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. This is the first account that we see. This is the first missionary sending. It's the first time that we ever see Jesus telling someone, go tell everyone what I just did. Normally in the healings, he's saying, tell no one. Go show yourself to the priest, but don't tell anyone. To this man, to the Gentiles, he says, go back home and tell everybody what I have done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. So point number five of reasons that Jesus asks us to speak life, there are people in your circle of influence, your home, your town, your family, who need to hear how God can transform brokenness and bondage into wholeness and freedom. Your transformation story is the gospel that people need to hear. Yes. What has he done for you? Go tell the people in your circle that. Speak life. All right. A couple more. Mark 16, the women at the tomb. So Jesus has been crucified. He's been buried. Okay, they put, him, they put him in the tomb, but then they had to wait till the Sabbath was over before they could come back and, and, and complete tending to his body. So the women come back. Mark 16, verses 1 through 7. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they could go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. I love how the Bible understates things. (laughs) They were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus of the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Go tell the disciples, and Peter. Why and Peter? Peter was one of the disciples. Why didn't he just say, go tell the disciples? Why do you think he said, and Peter? Because Peter had just denied him three times, and they all knew it. How much a part of the in crowd do you think Peter felt at this moment? Do you think he still considered himself a disciple? Do you think the other disciples still considered him a disciple? Here's reason number six, that God will ask us to speak life. He will ask us to speak grace and hope to those who think they've messed up one too many times and are forever on the outside. Who is that to us? Who's the Peter? Maybe you're the Peter. Let me speak life to you. The gospel's for you, too. <laughs> the angel himself said so. <laughs> right? Like, And he, God will single us out for the purpose of pulling us back in which is amazing speak life the ones that think there's no life left for them to hear find them specifically them speak life all right one more we got one more in us (laughs) okay all right this is a big one we're gonna look at three different passages here Let's start with Mark 16, 15 and 16. He, this is Jesus, in all three of these passages, it's Jesus. He said to them, meaning the disciples, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Whoever. That is wide open there. Whoever believes will be baptized and saved. Whoever does not will be condemned. Let's look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The one who has All authority and all the power will be with us to the very end of the age. Now let's look at Acts 1.8. Jesus again is talking to his disciples and he says, they're about to be sent out, but he says, first go back, go wait in Jerusalem for the promised one who the Father is sending to you. And then he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I'm sure you've probably heard sermons on the widening circle of that. When he's saying Jerusalem, he's saying start in your hometown, yeah. your circle of intri- uh, your circle of influence. You start there, and then you widen out to Judea, which is you know not quite your hometown, but still your hood. <laughs> you know, like still still context that you're um, comfortable in, and are nearish to you, and then Samaria. This one threw them for a loop, I'm sure, because Samaria is the land where the people that they feared, hated, despised, and oppressed lived. Go to your enemy. That's the next place. So start at home, then go to the people that are outside your home, then go to the people that everybody hates, and everybody fears, and that fear and hate and oppress you back. Go to them next, go to your enemies, and then go everywhere else too. (laughs) Go to the ends of the earth right? And the Holy Spirit will empower us to do so. So lastly, last point here, seventh point, because, you know, seven is the number of completions, so I knew I had to stop there. <laughs> All right, so seventh, God's, the, another, the final reason God will ask us to speak life is his ultimate mission is the redemption of every family group on earth. His mission is to transform, curse, into blessing, shame into honor, ashes into beauty, bondage into freedom, death into life, brokenness into wholeness, mourning into dancing. That is his mission. It has been from the beginning. And from the beginning, his plan was for you to be commissional with him. It is both what you were created to do and what you are called and commissioned to do. And to do anything less than that will leave you feeling hollow. You ever wonder why people who are outside of Christ but who reach the pinnacles of human success? Michael Phelps. You know, the, the man won more Olympic medals than anyone in all of human history. He was literally the best human on the planet at his sport. He finished on a high and then he was depressed and suicidal for the next however many years. He's talked a lot about how he realized that all of it meant nothing. Do you know why? Because Michael Phelps was neither created nor called to swim. He was created and called to be a commissional ambassador of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And until and unless he discovers that, everything else will feel hollow. Right. Guys, what are we? What are we trying to live into? What are we trying? What success or status are we trying to achieve that has nothing to do with what we were created or called to do? You want to live a, you want to speak life, you want to live life, you want to experience life abundant, do what you were created and called to do. We all get to. That's the cool thing. This is for every single one of us. It's not like he's picking three of you out and the rest of you are bench warmers. Everybody's on the starting lineup of this. And we do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. None of it's on us. We partner with him, he does all the heavy lifting. We just get to obey and speak. (laughs) Right? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put back up those seven points. Let's look at those again. The reasons that God may ask you to speak. Reason number one, he cares about suffering, oppression, and injustice, and he's calling you to speak truth to power on behalf of people whose voices are not heard. Two, There are things that are dead that he wants to resurrect, and he will use you to speak life to them. Three, there are battles that he wants to win, territory that he wants to take from the enemy, and he's going to ask you to speak courage into warriors that are tired or have forgotten how to fight. Four, he wants to be known, and he wants to reveal himself through you, to you and through you. Five. There are people in your circle of influence who need to hear how God can transform brokenness to bondage and wholeness. No, brokenness and bondage into wholeness and freedom. And your transformation story is the story they need to hear in order to understand that. That's That's so Six. He wants to use you to speak grace and hope to those who think that they have messed up too many times. And lastly, he wants to speak speak life through you because his ultimate mission is the redemption of the entire planet, and he will not do it without us. So if you see yourself in one of those, as I've read back through those, if you're like, yep, one of those resonates with me, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me right now, I know in my bones that he is stirring up in me, he wants me to speak life to someone because of one of those seven reasons, would you please stand up? Okay. The next thing I want you to do then is turn to someone that is near you, and I want you to tell them which one you feel the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's more than one, and that's fine too. But turn to somebody and tell them, confess, declare out loud, I sense the Holy Spirit moving me to speak life in this area. You don't need to say to who. You don't need to call anybody out. But this is what I sense that he is calling me to do. I want you to declare that out loud. I want you to say it with your own mouth to each other. And then then pray over each other. Can we do that? I don't know. Do you want music while this is happening out here? Here's my idea, Tim. (laughs) Uh, I want you to, to, to join with someone. Declare to each other which one you see, you feel the Holy Spirit calling you toward. Pray over each other in that. And I'll give a couple minutes in that, and then I will close this out in prayer. Does that sound okay? All right. Make it so. Father, I thank you that you created us with the capacity to mirror you in speaking life, that just as you called out and spoke life, that you give us the authority and the capacity to do the same. But I thank you that you have called every single one of my brothers and sisters in this room and watching online to be your co-missional, co-workers, your ambassadors in speaking life and blessing to this planet. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would activate every single person who, whether in their heart or out loud to someone else said, yep, I can see myself, I can, I can feel the Holy Spirit calling me to speak life in one of those areas. Would you join with them, partner with them, overwhelm them with your power, your authority, your anointing? Your blessing as they step out with you, just like Abraham did, step out in faith and begin to speak life in the areas that you show them. And God, would you cause you, your word says that your word never returns void. <laughs> so as they step out and they speak life that is partnered and anointed with you, would they see those things take take root? The seeds of life that they plant take root and produce fruit. 10 and 50 and 100 times fold. Father, we love you and we thank you and we praise you that you are so good and so kind that you want to partner with us, that you you want to use us in your redemptive mission. Lord, we want to be used. Use us. Send us out. And we thank you that you will equip us and guide us and lead us every single way or every single step And we thank you for the ways that this church, as they speak life in this community, the way that this church will transform Lancaster and the entire Antelope Valley. Lord, fulfill your word. We pray this all in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. Goodness. (laughs) Hang tight. That was so good. Um, We have a couple of things that we want to do before we get out of here today. There's just something that I want to say quickly, which is that if you are listening to this message today and... uh, and and you do not have currently a personal relationship with Jesus, I I want you to understand that attending church on a Sunday does not equate a personal relationship with Jesus, but that Jesus loves you, right? Where you are, exactly who you are, and and he loves you so much that he wants to meet you exactly where you are. And so if there is a, a need in your life to have a personal relationship with Jesus, if you have questions about what does that even mean, Uh, that I would become a Christian or a follower of Jesus. I I just want you to know that in the back of our room, there are these two walls here. And I'm going to ask Paul and Rhonda Smith after service. They're going to go to this one over to your right. And then I'm going to ask Marcus and Liz Nelson. They're going to go right over here to the wall to your left. And just after service, they're just going to be standing there. If you want to talk about Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with him, or it's been a while and you kind of just showed up to church on accident today, uh, Jesus loves you. And our friends are gonna be around and available to just talk with you. I also wanna say a second thing. If you have a relationship with Jesus, He is your Lord and your Savior, but there's something that it just feels like, man, there's just something missing about my relationship with God. I wanna tell you what that is, is what we would call that the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, There is in our Foursquare Pentecostal environment and theology, we believe that scripture tells us that there is a distinct second event after you met Jesus where God will fill you with his Holy Spirit. Scripture teaches us that Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to empower our speaking life and our ministry. If you've never had somebody pray with you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or or, or maybe somebody forced that on you sometime, and you have questions, uh, Amy just said, do it! But also, the Smiths and the Nelsons will be available. These are spirit-filled people who could pray, lay hands on you and pray with you, answer any questions that you have. Uh, No pressure, guys. Uh, But no, they are fully equipped and and would be honored and ready to answer any questions that you have. One last thing, and this is a tradition you know. Now it's three weeks in a row that we're going to do this. Um, And this is actually the first of our guest speakers that I gave a heads up that we were going to do this. Um, But we do have a tradition here that we You've seen it, yeah. <laughs> so we do have a tradition here that we would love to now, because you have blessed us so richly, to p- pray a blessing over you. Uh, so, Life Church friends and family, would you just extend a right hand of blessing towards Amy, as we would pray? And can you just, right where you're sitting, speak life over her? Uh, would you just say any any words of blessing that you would want to say over her life, uh, as she is going from here back into Uh, being a professor and working with young people, pray a blessing over that ministry at LPU. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, as you hear these blessings that are being prayed over Amy's life, we thank you that you would begin to infuse your your even our prayers with your purpose and that there would be something uh, of a dynamic spiritual blessing happening even in this moment that that as we are speaking life that you would also be speaking life over amy we declare in the name of jesus the blessing of the goodness of god over you amy we thank you for the gift that you are to our church and to the kingdom and we say in the name of Jesus, would you be blessed for all of the ways that you pour out? And Amy, there were two things that I saw as you, were, as you were wrapping up your sermon that I just felt like were things that the Lord would say to you. And so we would say this, that there is a deeper well that the Lord is digging for you to draw from, which is significant to say something like that, that as if to say that a, a person of such a deep well that the Lord would say, yet there is more. And this is a work that, you are, that the Lord is doing, that he is digging a deeper well in you that you will bring even deeper insights and understanding out to give to the world. And so we speak life to that, to that vision and that blessing and that promise. And the second one was that I saw you with your feet on the side of, of, of a cliff that might look precarious, but your feet were securely fastened to the side of this cliff. And there is something of a, of a, of a rootedness in, for you, of a blessing that God wants to give for you personally, that he, as, as you have a well from which you will draw to be a blessing to others, there's also this thing that says, Amy, wherever I send you and wherever I put you, you will be securely rooted to me. Don't ever worry, I have got you rooted. And so Lord, we just, whatever the, those words would be as, of a blessing to Amy, we speak life to her in those words, and we say thank you again to her and ultimately to you for the gift that she is to us and for the word that we heard today. Would you bless her because she's been such a blessing in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, will you say thank you to Pastor Amy with me.